Hello, and welcome to another episode of Professional Book Girl. My name is Keila, and I read a ton of books so that I can recommend the best to you, and that is what we are doing today. I just want to say, you guys might not be able to tell because my voice actually sounds pretty normal right now. I'm coming down with a cold, um, which is really not great because I leave at 5 a.m. for a bachelorette trip. So I feel like I might get a little out of breath on this episode. Um, Just please bear with me with that. Also, if you are watching on Spotify or YouTube because there is video for this show. I fully have like conditioner in my hair. I'm about to take an everything shower after this so I could do my hair fresh for um, my bachelorette trip. I'm going, not my bachelorette trip because I'm obviously not getting married, but um, I am going to Austin, which this episode airs the day I already be back. But um, so you probably saw on Cared What Stories that I was in Austin, Texas this weekend. So yes, that is just a little public health announcement, basically. Um, But we do have a few announcements. There's a new announcement this week. So um, I'll do that one last because it's the most exciting one. Our book club pick for February is The Frozen River by Ariel Lawhin. Guys, I finished reading it this morning. Oh my God, I really loved it. I will say this because I did post this on Karen What. It was a slow start for me. Honestly, though, I think because I was hangry um, when I started reading it. If you live with other people, like I have two roommates and I, my one roommate got in the kitchen when I, like right when I was planning on doing it in five minutes. So then my meal time got pushed back by an hour and I was like, okay, well, I'll read while I'm waiting. And then I was just so hungry and angry. And like, fun fact about me, you do not want to be near me when I'm hungry. Like, I'm just like, not, I don't like who I am when I'm hungry. So I was reading this book when I was just like hangry, you know, so I wasn't really feeling it. But then I ate and then I picked it back up and I could not put it down. I stayed up so late last night reading it, which um, I always stay up late reading. So I feel like maybe that sent, that statement doesn't mean as much as it does when other people say it. But last night I planned on going to bed early because I'm trying to get myself on track to um, go to bed early tonight because I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go to the airport. And like my usual bedtime lately is like 1.32 and that is just not going to cut it because I also, I don't like who I am when I'm tired. So tomorrow is just like it, it, this eager, what, what's about to happen tomorrow is in the past for you guys, but like, and I doubt anybody, I know for a fact, no one that is going on this trip is listening to the show. Um, they should be warned though, because I'm going to be unwell because I feel like I'm getting sick and I'm going to be so tired. But anyway, I was trying to go to bed early last night so I could like get out of my going to bed at 2 a.m. thing that I've been doing lately, but I couldn't stop reading this book. And then I woke up today and picked it up again right away. I loved it so much. So the book club episode will be out on Leap Day, February 29th. Every time I say that I say Leap Day, I feel like it's just an exciting thing to say, you know? If you want to have your thoughts in the episode like we did at the end of the Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow episode, you can submit them to professionalbookgirlpod at gmail.com by, I've been saying the 25th and the 26th. So either the 25th or the 26th. I'm going to sit down to record the episode on the 27th. So as long as you have them to me before the 27th, um, I have seen so many of you already reading it. I know a lot of people read it before I picked it as a book club pick, but I know so many people picked it up to read this month, which is really exciting. I'm happy that everybody seems to be enjoying the book club because I am too. So cannot wait to, I took notes. I can't wait to tell you about that book and how much I loved it. Um, Our typical little housekeeping, you can buy all the books that I talk about at the bookshop.org page, bookshop org slash professional book girl. I think it's professional book girl pod. Uh, please make sure you're following, subscribe, whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and follow me on Instagram at Karen What and follow the show at professional book girl. Time for the exciting major announcement. 
you may have seen this teased on my Instagram, but there is select limited edition professional book girl merch out in the world right now. I basically had bookmarks and stickers made as a little bit of like a PR marketing play because I was going to these book events and I um, wanted to hand something out to promote the show. And they're a little bit like a business card, like the back of it says a pod, a bookish podcast by Karen what? So um, these are the, those bookmarks specifically are limited edition friends and family. Th that exact design will not be for sale ever. It will not be put out in the world again. I had a hundred of them printed and those are, it's like a limited run. And then I also had stickers made just kind of for fun. And I'm not, we like, I want to do professional book girl merch. That is something since the beginning. I like, obviously I'm a little biased, but I think the aesthetics and the designs and everything are so cute and would lend itself really well to like fun, cute, chic merch. I'm just not there yet. Personally, I've been thinking about the best way to do it, but my life has been really insane in February. Um, we'll talk about this more. I think it's next week's episode when I do my February wrap up, but this was just like a really crazy month for me. So I didn't have time beyond doing this. Like I'm giving these away run. I need to figure out how I'm going to be able to sell merch, but that is definitely like, I am thinking about it. Get excited. But that being said, there are bookmarks and stickers that I want to give out to you guys. Like I want, I sent them out to bookish friends who have supported me from the very beginning, from back when I was on another show. Um, obviously I've been giving that, them out to my friends and family, but I want you guys to get them as well. I'm giving them away for free. But basically what you have to do tomorrow on the Professional Book Girl Instagram, so that is Tuesday, um, I will be posting a story listing all of this out. But until supplies run out, you can get a free bookmark and sticker by leaving a rating and review on wherever you listen to podcasts and then just screenshot it and DM it to me at you can DM it at Professional Book Girl or at Kiradwat, like wherever wherever your heart desires. Um, and then I will, when I see that, I will just ask you for your name and address and then I will mail them out to you. So I basically, it's like, if you want one, you can get one, but I'm doing it as like a little bit of like a marketing play. So like you leave me a little review to help me and help the show out and I will give you this free bookmark and sticker. They're so cute. I really love them. I'm so happy with how they turned out. And I love when I pass them out, everyone's like, oh my God, they're so cute. So I have a sticker of it right now on my Kindle. It's just like very exciting. It's making the show feel so real. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow so you can get your own bookmark and sticker and merch will come eventually, hopefully in the next like month or so, but I don't want to I don't want to say something and then not to happen. Um, my life is also just gearing up to still be crazy. So I need to dedicate time to it. <sighs> I told you I was going to get out of breath. I got so hyped up about the bookmarks I got out of breath. But this week's episode is a listener's choice. It is our monthly listener's choice episode. And we are doing something really fun and different for this episode. So if you saw the Instagram post before you came here, there was five books on there. And you're probably like, what's going on? For this episode, we will be doing, if you liked this book, you should read this book. And this was requested by Layla on Instagram. And I thought this was such a great idea. I love doing these posts on um, my bookstagram, Karen What. I know it's something that like family members tell me that they enjoy when I post them. It's requested a lot. So that is what the full episode will be. But before we get into that, it's going to be, we're going to do a little bookish Q&A that I found on Pinterest because I sometimes, I I get in my in my head a little bit about like, oh, well, I've already talked about these things on the internet because I've been existing on the internet like my whole life. But like, 
with my Instagram and then with my old podcast books in the city. I'm like, there's so much content of me like talking about these things out there that I don't want to ever be repetitive, but it's been a while. This is my own show, so I could do whatever I want, really. And I'm assuming slash hoping like there's new friends here listening. So I'm going to do a little bookish Q&A. There's 25 questions here. I'm probably not going to do all 25, but I thought this would be fun rather than a lot of the times this opening segment is like not really bookish. So I thought this would just be fun um, to talk about, I guess. So that's what we're going to do. So the first one is, what are you currently reading? I'm not currently reading anything. I just finished The Frozen River this morning, but my next book is The White Album by Joan Didion. Last book I just said is The Frozen River. All-time favorite book or series. By the way, I didn't read all these questions before I started this, so this is right off the top of my head. Um, Series are probably all the ones that I'm rereading right now. So Private, I am going to do The Click, all the Sarah J. Moss series. Uh, I feel like Akatar is probably just my favorite book series. So that's interesting. A book or series I DNF. So I do like, I told you guys my goal for this year is to DNF more, but I did just DNF a series, which I think um, is, I sometimes I will read the first book in the series and not continue, but I just read Serpents in the Wings of Night and I am DNFing that series. I think there's two or three out right now. They're on Kindle Unlimited, but um, I just, it didn't do it for me. I was so excited about it because it was vampires, but I didn't realize it was like vampire hunger games and I'm not a hunger games girly. I really had no desire to read about a tournament. So it just did not do it for me. So I read the first book, but I'm DNFing that series. Next is a fictional place I'd like to visit. Obviously, Polaris. Seven is an OTP that I love. And I'm going to say BJ Magnolia. It's very top of mind after reading Magnolia Parks in the Dark. They're so fucking toxic. So, like, uh, insane. But I feel like in that whole series, like, the Daisy books are my favorite. And I love Daisy and Christian. But I think Magnolia and BJ are my OTP of that series. An old boyfriend, I'm gonna say Cassian from Agatar. Disappointing read. Probably, I'm looking at what I've read recently. I'm gonna go with Serpents of the Wings at Night because I was really excited to pick that up. I like I was like vampires, I was so ready for it. I was excited it was a series, but it just didn't do it for me. Trope I love. My favorite trope is fake dating. I also really love um, when it's like a security guard and they fall and he falls in love with like his charge, I guess. Um, but fake dating is my favorite trope. A trope I can't stand is I hate miscommunication and I hate when one of them loses their memory. My favorite main character. Oh my God. I'm going to say Daisy Jones um, and hint, hint for in five minutes. That's very top of mind because of that. A fictional character that reminds me of myself, Nina Hill from The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, which came out like five or six years ago. I just remember reading that and feeling so, so seen. It was almost scary. A highly anticipated book or series release. I'm really excited for the new Fallon Ballard book right on cue. I love, love her romance books. It comes out. Um, maybe it's already out by the time we're listening to this episode, but I have like a bookstore day plan next week and I'm planning on picking it up that day. A novel on my TBR, I mean like 5 million trillion, but after my next read, which is the White Album, I'm going to be reading, oh, I don't know the name of it, but it's the first book in Alison Ware's series about um, 
Henry VIII's Wives. So it's the Catherine of Aragon book. I have been wanting to pick up that series for a while and I've been um, – like over the last like few months, I've been kind of dabbling with her books. But I – my TikTok algorithm has just been feeding me Tudor content lately and I was like, oh, I want to read this. And then this is probably so embarrassing to admit, but I was like, oh my god, wait, like – I should see if the library has it instead of buying it. And they did. So I got it on my Kindle with my Libby app and I'm planning on reading it on the plane for my um, bachelorette trip this weekend. My favorite comfort read slash character. I feel like I don't have one because I don't super reread, but I will say after rereading A Court of Silver Flames that just like it kind of was a comfort, like following Nesta on her journey really helped me. So I guess Nesta and Cassian and A Court of Silver Flames. My favorite side character so far, Azriel has just been a side character. So I guess I will say him. Favorite book to movie adaptation. So I actually don't always watch adaptations, but the book is always better, except I did not love Little Women, but I loved the Greta Garb Greta Garbo. No, Greta Gerwig Little Women so much. And also like I the Pride and Prejudice book was like, I don't I don't like classics. So for me, like obviously it was gonna like Pride and Prejudice 2005 better than the book. My favorite reading spot, either on the beach, next to the Christmas tree, or in my pink chair in my bedroom. Latest book haul, I just got The Phoenix Crown by Kate Quinn and another author that I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And I think it's called The Making of a King. It's a new biography on King Charles. It's following like the first year of his reign from right when the queen died to like now, I guess. Um, longest book read, I think, is Kingdom of Ash by Sarah J. Maas. Shortest, probably like a children's book, right? And my bookish goals for this year, we've talked about this, but I want to read you 102 books. I want to DNF more. Um, yeah, that's it. Was that fun? I don't know. <laughs> I feel so out of it. Honestly, I'm on like so many cold meds. I'm so stressed. I have so much to do, but I am happy to be here. I really like days when I'm recording, it's my favorite part of the day. So let's get into books. So like I said, this is a different episode than what I usually do. So what I'm going to do, I, I have like five pairings. So you're going to hear me talk about 10 books. And I guess I'll just, I guess we're just going to see how it goes once I start talking. So the first pairing is if you like Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, you should read Songs in Ursa Major by Emma Brody. I always recommend this like any every other time I do, and if you like this, you should read this video. I do this because look, I loved Daisy Jones and the Six, but Songs in Ursa Major, Major, what the heck? <laughs> it sounded so Long Island just now. Songs in Ursa Major is like right up there, if not slightly higher. I just love that book so fucking much. So if you live under a rock, Daisy Jones and the Six is about a fictional band called Daisy Jones and the Six. There was this band, the Six. There was this girl, Daisy Jones, and the label put them together, and they became like the biggest thing in the 70s. It is a 70s rock band, and one day they had the show in Chicago, and that was it. They were like – they never performed again. They were at the height of their fame and their career, and when we get to the book, it is told in interview format. So it's like a bunch of years later, and all the members of the band are talking about – their time 
as a part of Daisy Jones and the Sixth. The way that it's written is so unique. I loved it so much. I don't do audiobooks, but I've heard that it is great on audio. Um, obviously, or I'm I should, I'm saying obviously because it's obvious to me. But if you don't know, they made it into a show last year, which highly recommend afterwards is so good and they made the music from the book in the show and you can download the aurora album it was one of my top albums of 2023 i still listen to it all the time like the music is so so good i really like read the book obviously but also listen to the music it is so good um and what i loved about daisy jones people compared to fleetwood mac a lot and when the show came out i had like friends in real life being like like is this really is this the story of fleetwood mac it's not but it's easy to compare because obviously it's like messy with relationships and you can really make you can draw comparisons with like the making of aurora to the making of rumors um i loved i love like behind the scenes and music i loved this because it's like I love Almost Famous and it has like Almost Famous vibes, the movie Almost Famous. Um, Songs in Ursa Major, though. Oh my God. So, Songs in Ursa Major. Ma- oh, why do I keep doing that? Um, is based off of this is another one where it's based off of a real story, I guess. This is based off of the real story of Joni Mitchell and James Taylor. And I didn't know that going into it. And like, I'm, I will admit it. I knew nothing about them before I read this. So you don't need to know their story going into this, but the main girl, I obviously don't remember her name because I I read this a few years ago. Um, and also I obviously did not even look back at my old reviews. This is all off the top of my head for this whole episode. So buckle up. Um, but she is a folk singer, obviously, she's based off of Joni Mitchell, and she basically has this, like, summer romance, and, like, she lives in this vacation town with this kind of, like, rich guy, and he ends up becoming super famous, and so does she, and you follow their journey, and they're on the festival circuit, which was really fun, and it's just, like, the music part of it is so great, but it's also, like, their relationship, and I love the main character so much. I loved her family. It was very, like girl power vibes going on in her household I just I like when that book came out I saw it but didn't really think much of it and then I like I put it off for a long time and I kept seeing it at Target and eventually I picked it up and it was my last pool day of the year I think in 2022 and I read it I started it and then I had to come back to the city that night and I just read it the whole train ride home too I could not put it down like I basically read it in one sitting except for me having to like drive to the train station and get on the train I could not stop reading it so if you like Daisy Jones you need to read songs in Ursa Major because it I finally said it correctly that time but it is that it's the same it's not the same story so it doesn't feel repetitive but it is in the same time period genre and if you were imagining it being Fleetwood Mac and Joni Mitchell and James Taylor it's existing in the same time in the same world and universe oh my god I love that book so much. Obviously, I love Daisy too, but I love Songs in Ursa Major by Emma Brody. The next, if you like this, you should read this, is If You Like Stone Cold Fox by Rachel Collarcroft, then you should read The Social Climber by Amanda Pellegrino. So if you've been listening to every episode of this show, you may remember Stone Cold Fox was my number two favorite of the year and of 2023. And honestly, I cheated a little bit because my number one favorite was a series. So if we're talking about standalone books, then Stone Cold Fox was my favorite book of last year. I loved this book. I will give you a brief rundown right now, but I talked about it at length in the my top five books in 2023 episode. I highly recommend going back to listen to that. But 
Stone Cold Box is about a girl named B who isn't a schemer. She is a very meticulous, and I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but she is a very calculated social climber. So she crafted her whole identity to nab this guy who will be her husband, who is very, he's from a very wealthy family. They have like an estate in Connecticut. She like kind of worms her way into working for the company and getting with him. But when he introduces her to his friends one night, she meets Gail, who is a childhood friend. And Gail has always been in love with B's fiance. And B is kind of like, thinking in like a funny way like oh she'll be like my next target because she like targets people to kind of like take down I guess but she kind of meets her match with Gail and Gail starts investigating B too because she obviously wants to get with the fiance um so we are watching B as she her plans are coming to fruition she's engaged they're planning the wedding and at every step of the way, Gail and B's past are chasing her. But we learn we learn how B became the way she was because there are flashbacks interspersed throughout where we follow B's childhood, where her mom would just her mom was the real con artist schemer, and she would just marry these different men, take all of their money, and B as a child was taught to take on these different identities. She actually doesn't even know what her real name is because every new husband the mom got, she would give her daughter a new identity and a new name. And it is so fucked up, but it is so, so interesting, especially if you read a lot of thrillers because you see why B is the way that she is because you saw her whole childhood. You saw the way her mom treated her and kind of trained her to be like this in a weird way b is like her mom but she's better like she's not trying to hurt her fiance or take from him she just wants to achieve this level of safety in a marriage and she doesn't know any other way to go about it really than by scheming her way into like to be with this rich and powerful man so it is so interesting it is so good it's also if you're it's like if you like gossip girl you have to read stone called box i'm rewatching gossip girl so obviously i'm going to be comparing things to it because it's top of mind but it's very it takes place in new york and b is like beautiful and it's very she's very like glam and it's just so much fun it's such a great ride so the book that is like it though is the social climber and i actually read the two of them um very close together but it didn't it didn't impact the the reading i read stone called fox first was obsessed with it and then the social climber is similar but different enough that i wasn't like comparing it to stone called fox the whole time so Stone Cold Fox is about a girl, Eliza, who, like B, is kind of scheming her way into marrying into this very wealthy family. Um, both families are kind of like the elite in New York society, but both families meaning in both books. And we with with Eliza though, she is much more calculated than B, which feels weird to say because B, like nothing gets past her. But Eliza is on a mission that maybe isn't as pure as B's is in Stone Cold Fox. So Eliza is kind of, I don't want to spoil anything, but this one reads a bit more like a thriller, I will say. Um, and just like Stone Cold Fox, there are flashbacks to our main girl's past. So Eliza, we meet her. She, We learn that she grew up in a very religious family. She is like from their evangelicals. And she goes to an evangelical Christian college. And that was so interesting to read about. I have publicly stated many a time I am not 
a religious person, but I was raised Catholic. So um, I was like very casually Catholic though. Like I'm confirmed and all that stuff, but like never had like a strong relationship with the church. Um, although fun fact, I, oh, well, I didn't tell you guys about this, but um, my uncle passed away in February, which is part of why my month was so crazy. And I spoke at the funeral in the church and it was so wild because we like got there and I just sat down and then I opened the show. Basically, I was the the opening act and I be, sat down. My coat is still on and they called me up. So I'm like, oh, my God. But it was good because I didn't have time to be anxious. But I got up there and I I did my reading and whatever. It was very nice. But um, why was I talking about that? I guess my – oh, because part of my reading, my reading was from the book of Ecclesiastes, which I got – a printout of the reading I had to do and was freaking out because Ecclesiastes is not spelled how it sounds. And I literally the night before was up all night like, oh my God, I cannot fuck it up on the first sentence of this reading. Like my aunt asked me to read this at her husband's funeral. Like I have to nail it. So I was up all night just saying Ecclesiastes in my head over and over. And I got up on the podium and I said it correctly. And then there was like a song and then one of my cousins gave a reading and then the priest starts and he started off the sermon at my uncle's uncle's funeral, giving me a shout out for correctly pronouncing Ecclesiastes. And it it was like a funny and it was like a little like comedic break in the sad day. But um, I felt so proud and so holy for pronouncing Ecclesiastes correctly. So that is the extent of my religious life. Um, But anyway, so because of that, though, because I've never growing up Catholic and then not like being super into it, I find it very interesting when people specifically evangelicals, like that whole world is very interesting to me for many a reason that I'm not going to elaborate on fully. So um, reading about her at an evangelical Christian college was super, super interesting. Like it is so strict. The rules are insane, but something happens when she is in college that is a direct correlation to what is going on as she is planning on marrying this man. And I cannot say much more, but I loved both of these books. I did like Stone Cold Box more, um, I think, because I liked B more. I liked that you, the psychology of it, given like the stuff with her mom was so interesting to me. But um, I also love The Social Climber, and maybe I would have liked The Social Climber more if I hadn't just been so blown away by Stone Cold Fox. If you haven't read either of these books, I like I highly recommend both of them. Um, I would space them out by like six months maybe, so that way you don't have details like super fresh. You're not comparing one to the other, but they're both so great. I really enjoyed both of them. That is Stone Cold Fox by Rachel Collarcroft and The Social Climber by Amanda Pellegrino. Okay, next, if you liked Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate, then you should read The Orphan Train by Christina Baker Klein. These are two historical fiction books that I read forever ago and think about all the time, specifically Before We Were Yours. This is one of my, both of them actually are some of my all time favorite historical fiction books, but. Well, they're both about like really fucked up real life things that happen to kids throughout history, honestly, Um, which is maybe why they're paired together. But okay, Before We Were Yours is about the real life, what would you call them? So basically in 
in real life, in like the 20s and 30s, there is this woman named Georgia Tan who is a monster and we hate her. And she was running orphanages in Tennessee. What she was actually doing, though, was running a black market scheme where she would sell children. So she would, and she had people working for her, politicians were under her thumb, hospital workers, everything. Like, it is so fucked up. This is a real thing that happened. Um, She would, or like her people, they would kidnap poor children, like children from poor families. And if a mom was like giving birth in the hospital and she was poor, they would tell her her baby died and never let her see her. But actually the baby was alive and healthy and they would sell them. And it is so fucked up and it is so crazy. And it's real that it happened. And actually I was talking about wrestling so much when I was obsessed with the Iron Claw, but Ric Flair, the wrestler, was one of these kids. He like came out recently a few years talking about it. And he said the same thing that a lot of these children have said. They actually went on to have better, not all of them, because so many kids were abused. And there are parts of this book that are very hard to read. But a lot of these victims went on to have better lives than what they would have had because they grew from such poor, poor families. And they were sold to wealthy families. Like there are famous Hollywood actors of the time who were adopting kids through Georgia Tan. Um, Like Ric Flair went on to have a better life than what he would have had. So it's really interesting how she, a lot of them, a lot of the victims have very conflicted feelings about it because they realize that their lives maybe they would have been much, much different in a negative way if they stayed with their birth families. But it is still so insane and so fucked up. So I picked this book up. Oh my God. When was it? Probably like 2018. I think I was in Denver and I was at the main bookstore there. I think it's called the tatted cover. And this book had just come out and I kept seeing it in the store and I read the back of it. And like, I wasn't super, super, like now if I read it, I'd be like, oh my God, yeah, that's a book I would read. But at the time I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this book is for me. I was really just getting heavily back into reading. And I kept walking around the store and it just kept like calling out to me. So I picked it up. I didn't start on the plane actually because on the plane I was finishing Dark Places by Jillian Flynn and I could not put it down to the point where my dad picked us up from the airport and I was like using my phone as a flashlight flashlight to keep reading it in the car. But when I got back, I picked this book up. Um, And basically in this book, this girl, I think her dad is like a local politician and she's like doing a visit at um, like an old person's home. And this woman says to her like, oh, you, she like thinks that she's like her sister or something. And this leads her down a rabbit hole to start researching her grandmother and her life. And she finds out that her grandmother was like a victim of this. And then we, there's a, we go back in time and it's following the oldest sister in this family. And we see them when they're living with their real parents and kind of all of the events. And you learn what happens. There's like five kids maybe um, to each of them. It is brutal. It is so upsetting, but it is so like, it's so crazy as you're reading it because you're like, this happened. Like, and when I was reading this book, I didn't realize that this was a real thing that happened until I got to the author's note. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, how? How? It, it, it's, it's so, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Um, it is just, it pulls out all of your heartstrings. It is a book about siblings and resiliency and family and love. And then also this crazy real life thing that happened. It is so good. Like this will always be, I always recommend this book. Even if you're not into historical fiction, it is such a wild, wild story. Like you have to read this book. And then the author afterwards 
afterwards, uh, when I have a cold, I get so Long Island, I guess. Like, maybe because I just spent 10 days on Long Island. I'm talking like my mom now. Um, but she – I love that she did this. She released a nonfiction book called um, Before and After, I think, where – because she researched – she interviewed so many victims of this crime to write this book before we were yours and she released the interviews and like it's basically a nonfiction book detailing the real kids who went through this process and it is so interesting because in the book they say the same thing they said like many of them say they had better lives than what they would have had if they stayed with their birth families which is just so so wild so um moving on to the second book in this one though another fucked up real life thing that happened the orphan train so i remember and it's top of mind because I recently rewatched it, the Samantha movie, American Girl Samantha. So my first American Girl doll was Nellie, who is Samantha's best friend. And she, I basically say her, and she was an Irish indentured servant because that's basically what she was. Um, and what happens is like their mom already died and then the dad dies and they get sent to an orphanage and Samantha is in the city, like trying to visit Nellie and save her. And Nellie's like, if, if they catch me, they'll send me on the orphan train. And I, it never flagged in my mind like to – I remember thinking like, what is that? But didn't, I was never like, what is that? Like to the point where I needed to research it. So then I read this book also probably in 2018 because this was actually one of the first books I posted about on K-Red What. Um, but – I was just rewatching the Samantha movie because it's a Christmas movie and Nellie said it and I was like, oh my God, Nellie would have been on the orphan train because now I know what it's about. So the orphan train is this real life thing that happened where they would send orphans in this takes place in the early 1900s on a train out west and they would basically become like slaves to these families that would quote unquote adopt them and they would be forced to do all of this physical labor. So this follows one girl. I obviously don't remember her name, but it's a dual timeline. And um, the girl in the modern timeline is kind of like, she's a little bit troubled and she ends up helping to take care of an older woman. And then we learn her story. So she was sent on an orphan train separated from her siblings. And we follow her as she is like, at one point she has to work on a farm. At another point, she's working in, here comes another niche childhood reference. She's basically forced to work in like a mini sweatshop. And at one point she has to sew in the dark or like she'll have to sew black on black. And there's this like straight to VHS Madeline cartoon that my grandma bought for me at Stop and Chop when I was little and I watched it at her house and I remember it so vividly because it scarred me forever because Madeline ends up in a sweatshop and she's forced to sew black on black and they're like you'll go blind and that happened to this girl and it brought me back to Madeline but eventually she is like adopted by like a nice family and you just follow this whole journey as she is trying to come to terms with her family's loss to her some people from her past appear it is just such like it's this it's the same thing as before we were yours it is how did this happen insane part of history that was not forgotten but like has left the public consciousness and then this beautiful story of family and love and the ties with family like lost and close to you and i just really like those two books hit me so so hard and like historical fiction books have hit me hard since then but it there are very few that have hit me in the way that these two did so that is before we were yours by lisa wingate and the orphan train by christina baker klein 
speaking about fucked up things, these next two books are some of the darkest, twistiest, most fucked up books I've ever been. They are not for the faint of heart. I often say nothing is too dark for me, meaning that these two books horrified me, but I had no problem reading them. So if you liked The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead, then you should read Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. Um, I'm going to start with Pretty Girls. I probably should have said them in the reverse. I'm not going to repeat it because I don't feel like editing that out. But this is this was like my second or third Karen Slaughter maybe. I kind of dabble with her. I go back and forth, I guess. Like when I'm reading one of her books, I enjoy it. But then it takes me a million years to pick another one up. But this one is often cited by people that it is too fucked up and dark for them, and I totally understand that. So in this book, the main girl, her sister back in like the 80s, I think, went missing and was never found. And she always believed that she didn't just run away. She thought that like there was something more to it. But now it's like 20 years later, and that woman is now a detective, and there has been there's a missing girl and she starts to think that it is similar to her sister's death and then eventually they find the girl's body and there is a brand on it and meaning that the girl's body was branded when she was killed and it sends her on this very dark twisty journey it is so hard to say anything without spoiling but this is really it's um becomes one of these stories about it's almost a little epstein-ish like i guess that says it all (laughs) um but it is so insane the i i read this in the summer of 2020 and i couldn't put it down because it is it's one of those books that it's so wild and so like what the fuck that you just can't stop and it is very disturbing it is not for the faint of heart but um yeah that's all I'll say about it but it gets even crazier in the last housewife this is straight up the craziest book that I have ever read by Ashley Winstead I when she told me what this book was going to be about I was like oh my god like I am buckled up strapped in ready to go so this book is about we meet the main girl and she is now a housewife in Texas and she sees that um, someone from her past has started a podcast and she kind of learns through that that one of her college friends has like been killed. She was found killed at the college that they went to. So she now suddenly her whole life is blown wide open and she goes back to the college and she reconnects with the friend with the podcast and they start investigating the friend's death so as they are doing that we learn that in college this girl and her two best friends became involved in a sex cult so this was this book was heavily inspired by nexium so just like so you know what you're getting yourself into here um and we it's told in dual timeline so basically as she is opening up on the podcast, she talks about her college experience. So we see them as they get involved. It ends up being, and this was also based on a true thing. I forgot what the school was called. I remember reading this article and being like, what the fuck? But there they moved into like a, her and her two friends moved into a quad with this random girl. And she's like, oh, my dad wants to take us out to dinner. And he kind of becomes like this cult leader to them. And they move in with him and they basically end up becoming like slaves to him like sexual and they're forced to like clean and all this shit and eventually obviously they got out of it but now she's back in this town because one of the girls has turned up dead and she starts looking into her death which leads her to have to confront her past that she ran away from and also opens up this 
greater can of worms. So she basically ends up infiltrating this sex cult and it is insane. When you open this book, there is a paragraph of content warnings. I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but I will never forget reading the word misogyny as a content warning because I had never seen that before. And for both of these books, I I would say misogyny as a content warning. It is infuriating, but this it's they're both like an important story to tell um but they're also both like fun wild crazy thrillers but there is kind of this undercurrent of these are things that happen and it's so fucked up and fuck the patriarchy keychain on the ground um but I, The Last Housewife, I literally could not reading it, stop reading it to the point where like I just didn't get up. Like I basically gave myself a mini UTI because I just didn't pee for so long because I couldn't stop reading it. It is so, so wild. And the only book I have ever thought to compare it to is Pretty Girls because they both deal with the same misogyny, um, sexual torture, shall I say? Like I told you, it is so, so dark and fucked up, but they're both really good. (laughs) I'm just going to leave that there. The final pair up. If you liked The Secret Wife of Aaron Burr by Susan Holloway Scott, which I covered at length on last week's episode, then you should read Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson. I'm just going to do a very brief overview of The Secret Wife of Aaron Burr in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, but that is the story of Mary Emmons, who was a real woman who did secretly marry Aaron Burr. She was born in India, where she was sold into slavery as a child, and her mistress there kind of kept her as like a pet. Um, and then when the family moves to the Caribbean, she becomes she's suddenly on a cotton plantation, and she becomes a house slave. But then she is bought by Theodosa Burr's first husband, the one that was the loyalist to be kind of like a gift for Theodosa and she becomes Theodosa's lady's maid and she is there as Theodosa courts Aaron and eventually Aaron develops sexual feelings for her and she is kind of forced into this relationship because she is a slave and not able to consent and they you follow her whole life it takes place pre-revolutionary war during the revolution and after um it is very fascinating it is very hard to read it is an important story to be told it is a shame that Aaron Burr's had this giant resurgence because of Hamilton and Mary has been no part of that publicly so um it is important for us to remember her and her story in the same vein the yellow wife is another story of slavery so the main girl is phoebe and she lives on a plantation i want to say it was in like virginia or something it was in a more northern state and basically her biological father is the plantation owner and he always acknowledged that and she grew up with the promise that when she turned 18 she would be freed and her father kind of i mean look he didn't take care of her obviously because she was a slave to him but he taught her how to read and write and she was like treated differently than everybody else like he acknowledged her as his daughter but she ends up being sold before she turns 18 and she her whole life is kind of like turned on its head and she ends up at this kind of um they I forgot what the exact term for it is but it basically is this like 
like halfway house slash jail for slaves in transit before they were going to auction i had never heard of them before reading this book um and she catches the attention of the master of that place and he forces her to become his mistress and then she becomes his yellow wife which is another thing that i didn't know so she because her father was white she is very light skinned and they would Basically, she was this man's slave, but acted as his wife, and they had kids together who he just treated like his normal kids, and um, a few of them ended up like going on to pass as white and have like very different lives than what Phoebe did, but he treats her as his wife to the point where like she's a hostess, and she like, but she can't like leave the house. It's so crazy, and it is so fucked up, and. It's, it's just insane. And it's crazy that this stuff actually happened and that I never knew about it, that we don't talk about these things. I did not learn about this in school. Um, I started this book. I vividly remember it was a Friday night. I started it after work and I did not stop until I finished it. I could not stop. It It isn't that long, but um, this story and you just fall for Phoebe and she does everything she can to protect her children and people that she knows end up passing through because this like halfway house slash jail that she lives in because even though she is like basically married to the guy who runs it like the overseer they stay there like they live there and she's always in fear of him even though he treats her as his wife like it's so crazy it's like it is so insane and i like i highly highly recommend reading it you will learn so so much i feel like i was like pissed that i never knew anything about that beforehand but that is part of why i love historical fiction so much it it just teaches me parts of history that i never would have learned before um that is yellow wife by steekwa johnson and the secret wife of aaron burr by susan holloway scott that is our show thank you so much for listening please read the february book club bag the frozen river by ariel lawhan you have until um the 29th or no sorry the 26th to submit your thoughts the episode will be out on the 29th keep an eye out for the bookmark and sticker giveaway on my instagram feed this week please make sure you're following subscribe whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you are listening on follow me on instagram at carrot what follow the show at professional book girl and i think that is it happy reading